Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 on the Faith FM network. And you are joined by Danuta and my fabulous co-host, Lawson. Welcome back once again. Yes, we missed you. thank you for having me. I'm super glad to be back after such... I had a really amazing Tell weekend. us a bit about it, because okay. you went away for summer camp. That's you know, right. For the, with the young people That's up right. the coast a yeah. bit further. Tell us a bit about so it. So I just headed up the coast for the weekend, went to Yarra Happening, Stewart's Point, that area. It's just south of Coffs Harbour, if you know that area of the East Coast. Went up there for the weekend, spent time with the kids, spent time with everyone there, had some like amazing fun and also some really powerful messages as well. Shout shout out to Pastor Temma, who was up there just doing a fantastic job preaching to the kids. They were loving it. The the age group that was there was like 10 to 12. So kind of some real youngins, but but it was amazing to see people That's a cool age group. They're they're really full on, aren't they? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) But simultaneously, it's like they're full on, but then they're full on in responding to God's word and really being open and, and listening to what's being said. So it was really powerful. And then afterwards, as some of you know, who have been regularly listening to the breakfast show, I was challenged, okay, Mm. to plant things. I was challenged to become agricultural in the new year. Did you go to Rod Bailey's farm? I went to Rod Bailey's farm. So we interviewed Rod Bailey last week on Thursday, and I went up there because I wanted to get a feel for what what the go is and what it's like. No, but I I got taken out there, and it was beautiful. Like, we saw, like, what he talks about, all of his different plant areas and and all the different crops. And and I spent yesterday morning picking spring onions and washing lettuces. And, wow. and and packing Yum. cucumbers and doing all kinds of things. Did you put an empty mouth while you're picking? So we got to take <laughs> home like a box of tomatoes oh, and a box super. full of other miscellaneous veggies. It was amazing. Like we, they hooked us up. They're great people as well. Shout out the Baileys. And coming up on our show today, we have our interview with Dr. Justin Jackson looking at Gems for Life from Creation Week once again. And in our news segment, we're looking at coral and heat waves and we're also discussing the Pope. And in our Bible study time that happens after the 8 o'clock news, we're looking at Mission to the Unreached and we're looking at Esther and Mordecai. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Yeah. I love harmonicas. My uncle's a really good player of the harmonica. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a melodica, oh. which is like a, a tube that attaches to this plastic piano and you play, and it kind of sounds like a harmonica. Oh, no, no, no. But it wouldn't be as good as a harmonica. It, like it? harmonica. Well, harmonic, Well, this is the thing. A harmonica, you just kind of slide it around yes, and, and blow yeah, into yeah. it. And, you know, if you're good, you can follow the notes there. Whereas whereas you're literally playing like a little piano you're blowing into. So yeah, it's no, it, they both true. sound cool. They're really, really fun to play. But, hey, you're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning. <laughs> and, guys, we got to get into some quiz questions. First one for you guys this morning. Here we go. Which book did Jesus directly write? Which book of the Bible did Jesus directly write? Hey, have a think about this one. 0491-064-669. That is the number to text if you know the answer. And if you know the answer, you will go in the draw to win our amazing prizes for this week. We've got two books by James W. Gilley called God With Us According to John. One is covering John 1 to 12. The other is covering John 13 to 21. Both of these amazing commentaries 
on the book of John, seeing like the book of John is one of the most powerful books in the Bible. I think every biblical book is powerful, but particularly the book of John, it's condensed, it's fast paced, it's it's very well. What's the word you could say? Very personalized. Very yeah. personalized, concise, and ultimately getting to how Jesus, God himself, Mm. came down and dwelt with man and lived and died for us. So, hey, 0491-064-669. Again, that question was, which book did Jesus directly write? 0491-064-669. Yes, and we want to shout out a special good morning and hello to our listeners in Mount Gambia, Mm. South Australia on 87.6 FM. Have you been to Mount Gambia? I have been to Mount Gambia. Oh, you have? I've been to Mount Gambia a number of times, maybe like five, six times in my life. I'm not from South Australia, obviously, but been down to Mount Gambia, been to the Blue Lake, checked it out. Like it's, I I love that area of the world. It's It's a beautiful area, isn't it? It's got Mm. these caves sort of you go down with these drooping kind of greenery. Yeah. and especially if you're on a cooler day, it's yeah. just so fresh and beautiful. Yeah. And yes, that blue lake as well. So mm. yeah, it's in the southern part of South Australia. Beautiful area. Go and visit it sometime. But we want to especially say hi to our listeners there. Hey, I've got a question for you though before I go to my good news segment. Sure, okay. sure, sure, sure. Like you went to Rod Bailey's farm. Yes. Okay. And you said you picked stuff. Yes. So tell me, last week you were debating this thing, does natural food or homegrown food or food that would regrow ourselves really taste better? So my question is, did you taste the food and did you find it was better? So I got an interesting answer to this because on one point, like, and, and I was talking to, to Des, who's Rod's wife, she was telling me that there is very much a psychological component to that when you grow your own food and eat it because there's a satisfaction of like, I grew this and then it tastes good. But that being said, at breakfast, we ate like tomato on toast with olive oil and salt. And these tomatoes were massive. Like just one slice covered the entire piece of toast. It was huge. They're and, amazing. And they've got and an incredible it flavor. Was just so fresh. See? Like it was so yum. See? Quite different to it, tomatoes it was, in the shops, it was isn't it? Amazing. But then even okay. the food they cooked us as well, like at the same time at breakfast we had these lentils as well that we're putting on bread and they were just so yum and like like the, i think they don't make lentils now maybe they don't I don't know but then all the other ingredients in this lentil stew were all from the garden and they just tasted yum. so good everything it just tasted amazing so you converted yeah. Yeah, converted. Even, 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 okay, <laughs> even so we were Did picking. Did you catch that shell? We were converted picking, that it does right? taste better. <laughs> we were, oh, we weren't picking. We were packing cucumbers into a box and I dropped one of the cucumbers or someone dropped one of the cucumbers. It fell on the floor, picked it up, washed it off and I was like, okay, we'll eat this one instead of packing it. And just taking bites from these cucumbers, now are just so tasty. Wow. Like the, the flavor was so good. I uh, So yeah, I, I am converted. I, and this is why like I was up there. I got to see these farms in action. I got to see these plants in action. And now for myself, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm committed. That's cool. I'm committed. I'm going to find a way to grow something. So remember, year. we challenged you, didn't we? That's right. That's right. You know, I, and there were a few of our listeners that challenge. wanted you to follow up that challenge I'm of growing some it, of your guys. own stuff and then share what you've That's been, right. I have been convinced, you know, I've been converted. Oh, that cool. uh, well, it reminds me of the Bible. It's like I've been convinced that there's nothing, you know, on heaven, in heaven above, or earth below, or anything that could stop us from the love of Christ. Say that I am convinced that there is nothing that'll stop me from potentially buying a pot and 
growing something and growing in that some pot. stuff. And remember, yeah. Suzanne suggested to to do radishes and basil, and yeah. part of the reason I thought that might be the case is because they're very quick to grow, mm-hmm. and you'll actually get you know results quickly. Absolutely. So yes, you won't get discouraged waiting. Like for tomatoes, you got to wait sometimes like two months sort of. Wow. But you've got a box of tomatoes now, so you know, just <laughs> yeah. be careful of eating them all at once. Okay, <laughs> go to some good news. Some good news. Um, coral and heat waves. Mm. Um, what's the connection? So here, new research is showing that different coral species can actually be resilient to heat waves wow. in the ocean. Isn't really? that fantastic? Resilience, well, like with coral. And so by by remembering that they've actually survived a previous heat wave. That's amazing because we've talked about on The Breakfast Show before a while ago, particularly during 2019, 2020, 2021, during the heat waves at that time and during the fires as well. Yeah. That the way that that was, like there was this massive coral bleaching happening as a result and so much coral was dying because of the heat. Absolutely. But you're saying that they're surviving now. They're They're resilient. So, yeah, because of that, you know, heat waves that they've actually had before. So if we actually say here, Look Look here, and Good News Network actually says here that um, they're saying, we, this is a quote from them, we observe that some species of coral seem to remember exposure to past marine heat waves and maintain a higher level of health mm. in subsequent heat waves. And Acropora re, 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 um, has a memory response, which is a type of coral, was strongly linked to changes in its microbiome, supporting the idea that the microbial community has a part in this process. Mm. And so it's actually the microbials and stuff like that are basically the, 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 small, the small particles, you know, that actually um, are the, the small things in the ocean. Mm. So here's the thing, the conserva- that was the conservationist response. You know, National Science Foundation have been looking at spending the last five years actually studying the 200 coral col- colonies around French Polynesia. And so they've actually been looking at this and they actually found that uh, that basically, yeah, it survives from a previous, you know, the resilient because of previous heat wave. So here's the thing, coral reefs, um, the three key things, they're found in less than 1% of the ocean but they are the place where um, nearly a quarter of the marine life um, lives, so the animals and species in the mm. ocean. So about a quarter of the marine life, which is incredible, and yet only less than 1% of the ocean in the world has got mm. coral. The second thing is that they also regulate the seas with this, uh, a carbon dioxide level. So that's yeah. really important for the animal, for, 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 for the marine life. Okay. Mm. The third thing is that there's a crucial way of the scientists actually searching for, um, for new medicines, you know, and, and, and outcomes basically for these corals. So the conservation author and graduate student Alex Wombi actually says slowing down the rate of coral actually covers um, the loss in predicting the engineering of the species and he says and and heat tolerance so there which actually means that there's two important species tools and therefore it's important for us to understand how quickly the reefs actually adapt to the frequent disturbances by the heat wave so they're mm. actually looking at how frequently are they disturbed how do they respond basically in these situations and what's actually happening. Mm. And so it's important for them to understand how quickly they actually adapt because of climate change, of course, is actually threatening coral reefs. And like you said, the heat waves and everything that's actually come, coming. So the oceans are actually much warmer overall. Scientists in Oregon State University have actually found that the ecological memory response um, and therefore there is resilience is actually linked, like I read earlier, to the microbial communities, which is actually the small living things in the ocean. So there's this real link between 
between the coral and the small um, small living um, animals or species that are yeah, actually absolutely. in the ocean. Yeah, and this one is, helps the other. Yeah, in in the ocean, on land, and whatever, we can see so clearly that these ecological systems don't work in isolation. They from, don't work in from isolation. animals and whatnot. Yeah. It's, it's so needed. So it's good to see that they're they're monitoring this and they're trying to help it enable you know the coral to stay healthy despite the very drastic shifts in the weather conditions. Yeah, fantastic, isn't mm. it? And so slowing down the rate of the coral cover and the species loss is a really important mm. goal for them. And, you know, my mind went to, I mean, there's so many Bible verses that we could look at about God's amazing creation, but there's one in Psalm 96, 11 that says this, Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and all its fullness. Yeah. Isn't that a fantastic verse right mm. there? You know, God has got his hand over everything in the earth and over everything in the sea in every way. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It's come time for us to do our second quiz question. Mm. This is amazing. We've got really short questions today. Must be a theme going right through. Short <laughs> questions today. <laughs> Because <laughs> yesterday we had a bit of both and the other days we've had really long ones. Take it away, please, Lawson. Absolutely. Here we go. In what book of the Bible is God called Ancient of Days? It's interesting because it's a title for God that's quite prolific, I think, that most people have heard of, but it's only found in one book of the entire Bible. Mm. If you know which book that is, hey, 0491-064-669. Of course, our prize for this week is the amazing, we've got two books, God With Us, According to John by James W. Gilley. One book is John 1 to 12. The other book is 13 to 21 of the book of John or the gospel of John. Hey, we want to give this to you absolutely for free, these books, because they're fantastic to dive into the book of John and to see the amazing works that Jesus is doing, how he is relating to people and how he's ultimately demonstrating God being with his people. So, hey, 0491-064-669. Again, that question was, in what book of the Bible is God called Ancient of Days, 0491-064-669. And there's a really cool song called Ancient of Days. Do you know yeah. that one? I think, I think I've heard it before. I think, yeah, yeah. Shell's nodding. She's like, I've probably played sure, it on yeah. the radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, she might be able to find it and play it for us yeah, later, yeah, yeah. which would so, be really good, just to remind you. Absolutely. But we'll make sure we cut out your voice when it's being played. Oh, okay. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. As in singing it, okay. <laughs> if you catch hey, it. Hey, 0491-064-669. Where are we going text. with the news for today? Okay, we're talking about the Pope because there has been some landmark news coming out of the Vatican as of yesterday. Now, the Catholic Church's interaction with the idea of same-sex unions, same-sex marriages, um, the LGBT community has been an interesting and storied one that has gone here, there, and everywhere. And particularly over time, there was some pressure on the Catholic Church, particularly during the 2010s, of like, oh, you know, well, pressure on basically all Christian churches of like, as, as you know, LGBT became more 
prolific and yeah. accepted in the West. The question was, okay, how do churches respond? And around 2021... There's been such varying responses that's to it, haven't there? Absolutely. Really, in, there, every there have, in every denomination. There has been, well, the Uniting Church here in Australia, the Anglican Church worldwide, where they have gone, yes, we wholesale and completely accept, you know, LGBT, and now our priests can be LGBT and, you know, all of these different things. Uh, for the Catholic Church, though... Up until 2020, 2021, their stance was anti. Mm. And then the Pope released a statement around that time where he said, okay, you know, who are we to judge whether you are LGBT? And then everyone was like, yeah, like he basically said, I'm not God. Who am I to judge? Which was really interesting because usually he claims to be God. Mm. But he said, then he said, I'm not God. Who am I to judge? And then the question was asked, okay, so will LGBT same-sex people be blessed in marriage? And the answer came back, no, <laughs> which was a little bit of a, of a whiplash for people because at one moment, at one moment, the LGBT community was rejoicing and they're like, yes, we're accepted mm-hmm. by the Catholic Church. And then the next mm-hmm. moment they were like, oh, actually we're not because there wasn't any real tangible change until yesterday. So until tell us what happened yesterday. yesterday. The Vatican has said in a landmark ruling approved by Pope Francis, Pope Francis, the Catholic priest can administer blessings to same-sex couples as long as they are not part of regular church rituals or liturgies. So this is like wow. a further step. So it's it's interesting because it's like, wait, what what does this mean? Yeah, yeah so especially said, when I said no before. Yeah, he said no, and then he's now he's saying kind of. Now, what the church will do is judge on a case-by-case basis whether – these couples should, re- and I don't know what the, cri- and what hasn't been released is what the criteria is for this judgment of whether they can see- receive blessing. Now, why this is important for Catholic people mm. is that receiving blessing in your union of marriage and, well, receiving blessing in your union of marriage allows you to then con- con- to continue to receive the sacraments of which you need to be saved. So, yeah, well, that, that they believe that, don't they? That is sacrament, right. you know, so taking of the bread and the, the wine, Eucharist, so that yeah. they, they they have the wafers, you know, and the wine, and it's very common service, of course, in the Catholic Church. That's right. And yes, people believe that if they take part of that, then they yes. are saved. So here at Faith FM, we are not Catholic, and because of that, we don't subscribe to the idea that you need to partake in priest administered sacraments in order mm. to be saved you are saved through, through repentance yeah through like, repentance and through jesus through, Christ. Re, through yeah. Je- like jesus is 100 now they would say oh you are saved through jesus they would say the same thing but they would say oh yes jesus has told us priests to minister the sacraments and it's like for us we say no you are saved through your personal relationship and repentance and connection to Jesus Christ. That's yeah, what we Because would of say. what he's done on the cross, absolutely. Absolutely. And so do we believe here that you need to take administered sacraments in order to be saved? And the answer is no. No. That's not what we believe. No. <laughs> but simultaneously, it's interesting to see that these kinds of issues, and in the Catholic Church, which is one of the biggest churches on earth, one of the biggest religious mm. groups on earth, where they have rallied for years and years and years against this. But the tidal wave of, again, a vocal minority has kept banging against the doors of the church. And now finally, the doors of the church has opened to this and they have said, and they have buckled to the pressure. And they, they've said, you know, the language surrounding this is, is, oh, we're seeing what the scope and, and the richness and the fullness of 
blessings that we could administer. You know, what is the, the fullness and the richness of God's grace? And the reality is, is that God has not communicated to them any further revelation regarding this. The Bible is clear. The Bible is clear on this point. Very clear, isn't it? The Bible is absolutely clear. We do not, like in terms of, the, and this is language that the, the Methodist church has used and the Anglican church has used when they've said, oh, we've come to new conclusions. Now, especially as Protestants, I do believe in the continual uh, opening of the scriptures and the, the progressive revelation of scripture, particularly when we look at church history, right? And we look at, you know, Jesus being here on this earth, and then the spreading of the Christian church throughout you know, Asia and the Middle East and and Europe. And then we see the medieval church and the rise of the medieval church and then the Protestant Reformation later, we see the complete banning of the Bible, the banning of Scripture to the point where nobody knew Scripture, no one could read Scripture. And then the Protestant Reformation comes along and it's all about, okay, we need to open up Scripture and come new Mm. truths. And then Mm. throughout that history of the Protestant Reformation, you see all these different groups coming to different conclusions about what Scripture says. You see the growth. That's it's right. It's about growing in Christ, isn't it? And when it? I say different conclusions, it's progressively more and more, a greater and greater understanding of truth. Yeah, you build, have, building on each foundation right. is getting built further and further. That's right. Mm-hmm. You have the Baptists who come along and, and the Methodists who come along and you have you have Wycliffe and you have uh, Jacobus Arminius and Calvin and, and, and John Huss and, jo- and, Huss and, and, and Jerome and all of of these different amazing reformers and these church movements coming along and reviving, you know, mm. putting new life into, okay, okay, what does scripture really say and really getting to the heart of what it says? And the reason for that is because it was removed from truth and they needed to rediscover. But in regards to the issue of same-sex marriage mm. and, and same-sex unities, the Bible is so overwhelmingly and absolutely clear about this. And it's clear right from the very start and mm. right to the very end because we actually see that marriage in Genesis 2, you know, mm. God God actually blessed and ordained, you know, the marriage between a, a man, man and a woman. And a woman. Yep. Okay. And so it'll be really interesting to see here what other ripple effect it has within the Catholic right. Church because, yes, the Pope has said that, but, you know, and, of course, generally the, the churches take everything on board. But are there going to be some churches mm. and then alternatively also individuals within those churches that are really against that? Yeah. And what will that do? Well, we've seen that in the Anglican Church. And I think the interesting thing here, if we look at the Protestant Reformation versus what's happening in the Catholic Church at the moment, in the Protestant Reformation, those changes that were made, all these those realizations of new light were made as a result of coming to new conclusions by studying God's word. Mm. And they were very countercultural to the scenario that was around them at the time, to the point where as a result of those beliefs, people were being killed. On the other hand, with what's happening in the Catholic church and what's happening in, you know, all of these churches that are taking this on board is it's, it's not a movement of counterculture of full Bible acceptance, but rather it is a movement of allowing the world to determine what mm. truth is and accepting mm-hmm. worldly standards rather than accepting the Bible. So it'll be interesting to see where this goes. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. 
is our last week before we break up also mm. for Christmas. So we're hoping that you're having a really good week and that you're enjoying this last week that always gets really quite busy before mm. Christmas. Hey, Lawson, we have our next quiz question, please, before we have our interview with Dr. Justin Jackson. Hey, our next quiz question. Here we go. What symbolic personal event is described as a death, burial, and resurrection? What symbolic personal event is described as a death, burial, and resurrection? If you know the answer to that one, hey, 0491-064-669, that is the number to text. And if you text that number with the correct answer, you will go into the draw to win an amazing prize. Well, two amazing prizes this week. We have both books, God With Us by James Gilly. We want to give these to you absolutely for free, exploring the book of John and seeing how it is that God dwelt with us. It's a beautiful commentary, essentially, mm. which, I mean, if there's any book that should be dived into in the book, well, man, every book, again, we always say this, I'm like, try to hype up the book of John, and I'm like, but they're all good. But yeah, no, the they book of John good, but that's is my favorite fantastic. Book, I must say. It it's your fave? It is my fave. A hundred percent. Oh, it's yeah. Shell's fave as well. Hey, you're listening to The Breakfast Show. Again, that number is 0491-064-669. What symbolic personal event is described as a death, burial, and resurrection. On the phone, we have none other than Dr. Justin Jackson with us to talk about all things Gems for Life from the Creation Week. Justin, are you there with us? Absolutely, Lawson. Good morning. Pleasure to be with you. We are stoked to have you on the show this morning, and particularly because of the topic you're going to be covering. It's relating to some stuff that I brought up in my news regarding family, marriage, you know, all of these different things, and looking at it from a biblical perspective and from a creation Mm, week perspective. So we're really, really excited to get into it. Fantastic. Yeah, well, often we do think about health, we think about The physical things, don't we? Like, Mm. you know, what we eat and drink and breathe and how much exercise we get. Mm. And we've covered a lot of those this year. This is our final topic for this year. Mm. And, yeah, the quality of relationships, we've talked about that a little bit before, but that's just as important to our Mm. health and, of course, to the health of those around us as well. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. So regarding, you know, our our families being together, our families spending time together. You know, I have fantastic memories growing up, and particularly as we're coming into the festive season, the holiday time. I have fantastic <laughs> memories of my family spending time together during that time. And, and even right now, like, I'm looking forward to, you know, getting together with my family on, I believe it's next Monday for Christmas. It's a time where we all come together. Like, this is a really special time to spend with my family, especially because a lot of my family live all over the place, and then we all come back. Yeah here to Newcastle and we can all really rejoice and, and relish in that time. And, and, and I know this we do Lawson, I yeah. was just going to say it, it is a creation gem, you know, yeah. the, the, the creation story tells us that God blessed us, you know, with the gift of family, of marriage, you know, it says he yeah. created us male and female to populate the earth, to have children. Mm. Um, and it's just, you know, these positive memories. I'm, I'm so looking forward to catching up with family as yeah. well at the end of the year. Absolutely, because it's so healthy as well. Like, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. It's like, it makes me feel good to spend time, happy, like comfortable time with these people. Absolutely, yeah. And the research just supports the incredible value of those stable family relationships for your physical, cognitive, social, and, and, and your mental health as well. 
But mm. the thing, interesting thing is though, don't you find, Dr. Justin, is that there's been a, a real shift in the value of marriage in society and the whole importance of family unit and therefore there's the breakdown even in that time together, isn't there? Well, that's that's true. And it's not till you actually unpack some of the statistics that you realise what a significant change has taken place. It's like the other gems that we've talked about over, you know, some of them a little bit longer with air pollution and, and the light pollution and, you know, the change in diet, etc. Um, but in the last 70 years in particular, marriage behaviours in the Western world have really um, shifted incredibly dramatically. People are marrying a lot later. They're much more likely to divorce mm-hmm. and they're much more likely to cohabit rather than marry. And when you look at these numbers, it is dramatic. In in 2002, um, the cohabiting couples in the US were 5 million compared to 500,000 in, in 1970. Oh, wow. And you might say, well, what's the matter with that? But the science really tells us that if you cohabit before you marry, you're four times more likely to separate than if you just commit to being married, you know, the creation gem um, from the outset. Mm. That's incredibly high, really, isn't it, when you think mm. about it? That, like, and, and, and it's really interesting that cohabiting couples are four times more likely to separate than married couples who actually mm. don't cohabit before marriage, and that actually affects the stability of the children's lives. Yes. Well, Dinity, you bring up a really interesting point there about stability. And it is that stability that's, that's one of the key determinants in, in the children's well-being. Mm. Um, thinking closer to home and shifting from cohabiting to, um, separation. Well, on the positive side first, in 2021, there were 90,000 marriages in Australia. Um, but sadly, that same year, there were 56,000 divorces. Wow. And mm. so you think about those numbers, like the instability that's introduced in cohabiting couples, um, once you move to a second marriage, it's much more unstable than, than the first uh, marriage. So 40% of remarriages also end in divorce. And then, you know, the children may be subjected to multiple family realignments in the course of their upbringing. So, I mean, children that grow up in, in families where there's divorce once or even twice, and sometimes even three cases, isn't it, as well, um, yeah, has its yeah. own impact in various ways. So, isn't there actual divorce that actually harms the children? Well, I think that the research shows that that contributes um, for sure, but often it's the the conflict and um, that precedes the divorce that, that's really resulting in that harm. And so when studies have looked at it, it's the long-term parental conflict and the instability that we've been talking about as well. Um, and it does have flow-on effects to their academic performance, um, substance use, and also their relationship choices when they um, go to think about life partner and, and um, mm. you know, the choices that they make later in life. Yeah, I... I am a child of uh, of divorce. That's my family background. My parents divorced mm. quite late in in my you know I was seventeen when my my parents like officially and finally split up. But mm. I can, and I can say as much as you know I look forward to Christmas and that's a time when my family comes together. Those experiences mm. have definitely negatively affected me uh and, and they're, they're you know i've got scars from them and and uh, for yeah. me and for my siblings like we've got scars from the as you mentioned conflict there 
And mm. so the big question for us, and I guess, you know, I, I've been blessed to be able to come out of that, but for our listeners today, what are some yeah. solutions for those kinds of situations? Because as you said, it's so, it's so prevalent and, and it's happening yeah, yeah. a lot. And uh, Lawson, I, I guess I just should comment firstly before coming to your question that I'm I'm not supporting people staying in unsafe relationships. Yes, you know where where there's physical or emotional yes. violence. Yeah, yep. that that's not the Eden model. Mm. And you know we also need to recognise that because we live in a world of sin, many choices are made outside of God's original plan and outside of you know what the ideal situation is um, and you've just raised one of those it was completely outside of, of your control mm. um, and I think that's where the Bible though and healing and the biblical um, principles of relationship really do come in and enhance our family's well-being yeah wow that's super important mm. I think like mm. we still have the ability to aspire to God's ideal plan of marriage and a stable loving relationship but yeah. also recognizing that the world is full of these really difficult situations. And yeah, you know, you brought them up, uh, situations of abuse and, and sexual violence and mm. whatnot, where the Bible actually gives some level of allowance there for correct decisions to be made yeah. so that people stay safe. So yeah, it's, it's, sure. it's really amazing sure. to see that, uh, yeah, the Bible does give us the best model to deal with the world that we're in right now. Yes, no, absolutely. There's one thing, though, on a, on a positive note that I've been doing a bit of reading about um, mm. that I wanted to bring to the, the table. So sure. To speak. Yeah, uh, please. And that is the, the habit of having family meals together. Oh, oh wow. wow. You know, this is something where you, you don't realise how, how powerful it can be. So I'm just going to give you a, a quick run through and then we'll dive in a bit deeper. Mm. But studies show that the family meal provides better nutrition, Increased self-esteem, better academic performance, a greater sense of resilience, lower risks of drug and alcohol abuse, lower risk of teen pregnancy, lower risk of depression, lower likelihood of developing eating disorders, lower rates of obesity. Wow, that's that's absolutely incredible, isn't it? I mean, there's so many things that 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 whole list there is life stuff. You know that that what Mm. happens in the younger years then determines what happens in in the older years in all of those aspects. So, who would have thought that the simple meal will actually do something like that? (laughs) Yeah, so it's got benefits right from your your preschool kids to your primary school to your teen, and then you know it's it's for the rest of their life and the generations beyond as as well. So, yeah, just just absolutely amazing. But interestingly, if you eat with your family, firstly, there's the nutritional stuff, and I want to dive into that just a bit more. Um, people will eat more fresh fruit and vegetables with less sugary drinks and, and takeaway, and so that leads to healthier eating habits for life. Mm. Um, important point, though, the benefit is completely lost if you sit there with your television on during the meals. Oh, wow. Including wow. the weight. So including the, the weight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and what's the reason for that? I don't know precisely what the reason would be, Danuta, but I think it's um, partly to do with the um, choice of foods that people eat mm-hmm. and the mobility and activity around um, their meal time when they're sitting glued to it device. Wow. So that's a really important point you're making about not sitting at the table and turn your phone and TV off. <laughs> no, turn your devices off and talk. That's wow. that's, that's what reaps the benefits. Yeah, it's so yeah. true. Yeah. And so, and the talking, it's interesting. One study looked at 
kids, and there are these there are three thousand really common words, and then there are um, these rare words um, that improve their vocabulary and and so on. And kids who sit and have family meal time learnt a thousand rare words compared to only one hundred and forty three when parents were just reading with them but not spending time set oh, at wow. meal time. That's so yeah, and adolescents as well. Um, if they sit with their with their families, they're twice as likely to get A's in school as those who don't sit and eat meal times with their families. Wow, that's massive. So if you if you <laughs> have is, meals wow. with your parents, your studies and your abilities will just go through the roof. That's incredible. Why do you think this is so powerful? Like how is, mm. how is it able to just affect us in such a positive way? Well, I think the first thing is that eating itself is such a positive experience. Mm. And we only have to imagine walking into the family kitchen when you're hungry and smelling the aroma of your favourite mm. dish. You know, we can all smell <laughs> yes. it right now. Mum's lasagna. Or, or, yeah. <laughs> Biting into your favourite fruit, getting that punch of amazing flavour. So, you know, this is an Eden gift and it stimulates yes. those dopamine receptors and sets sets the positive state of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the next thing, we just talked about turning the devices off. It's It's uninterrupted time. Your family has your full attention and you have theirs. And, you know, we can remember laughing at the table, debriefing, mm-hmm. planning, listening. And those are the things. It's time that builds relationships and a sense of belonging and security as well. Mm. No, that's, yeah, I, I think those are two of the keys. And absolutely. I, I love what you're saying there, Dr. Just because, you know, my mind goes back to the times when we were growing up in our home. So I'm also from a home where there was divorce. I was 10 when my parents divorced. Um, mm-hmm. And so my more significant memories of being around the dinner table was, you know, with with our mum. And it was a special time of really connecting and talking Mm. together in every way. And yeah. and all three of us daughters did do well in our studies, and that's I'm just thinking that that must have had some impact, like you're saying. So meal time is yeah. actually really important. No, absolutely, and yeah, that's why I think this was such an important gem to to unpack because it can be you know single parents as well, um, mm-hmm. etc. It doesn't that the benefits are are not. Um, they're, they're with the relationships, as we've talked about. And mental health is, is really important in there. Um, just um, I want to make a, a final point, perhaps, that it is the interpersonal relationships mm. at, the, at the table. You know, if we bring our work stresses, if we yell across the table at our partner, criticise the kids, you know, hold grudges, payback, that sort of thing, that won't bring us together as a family. Mm. But, you know, coming with the soft answer, the joke, the interesting memory um, and really making it a a positive, special time, then that's what will bind our families together. Mm. Fabulous. That's really amazing. You know, right now I'm living in a dormitory. (laughs) I'm like not able to go and spend heaps. And I'm also, you know, all of my siblings are adults, but it's something that I want to do that. Oh, hey, I just want to spend more time with people at mealtimes rather than by myself because I feel like that would have a positive impact on me. But then I'm sure for many of the listeners and their families to spend more time with their their loved ones, uh, more time with the people who are around them, eating together, conversing together, because it seems it's just all around better for our physical and mental health. Yeah, and if we do have a family circle, you know, it's it's a really um, important thing to look outside your family and invite 
those who perhaps don't have that family mm. circle into your meal and, and build the relationships with them as well. Mm. Amazing. Dr. Justin Jackson. We have come to the end of our interview this morning and the last interview for the year. Thank you so much for joining us to cover these amazing creation gems from, well, gems of health from Creation Week. No problem at all. Many happy meals. Thank you. And it's a great challenge for all of us to have family meals in our homes. So you have a wonderful Christmas and great time together with your family and around the mealtime especially too. Um, thank you once again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.